0: fast time goes by until you get there. My name is Matthew Kroll.
1: And you charge with a
0: gun. With a knife, you run. This is Shaheer Dowd. <laughs> and this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film The Irishman. Ah, the Irishman. The luck of the Irishman. At what point when we do our
1: Irish impersonations are we being racist?
0: Uh, every point. Every I, point I is think racist. Every point. Yeah, but, I mean, like But I
1: feel like Irish people, and this might be racist, are cool with it, right? I,
0: I don't <laughs> think so. I mean uh, No, no, like 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 doing the accent. No, I don't think any group is cool with another group really doing the accent. Really? I, I would, love it I when would... Tri- did New Zealand
1: and I was like, this is cool. And he even made us sound like idiots. And I was like, that's cool.
0: Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe it's because I Like, I'm if you so... say
1: derogatory things about Irish sure. people, sure, that's racist. But like I'm saying, just doing the accent.
0: Uh you know what? I might lean a little bit towards you only because like for instance it's not a culture of course, but it's uh my it might we've been talking about New Hampshire a lot lately, but yeah. like the New England accent or the yeah. Boston, like the pocket con yeah, do Pavegai yeah, Boston Like, I think uh I don't find that offensive. Yeah. Uh, I, but I don't know. I, I, Write uh, us
1: in if we are <laughs> racist at any point during this episode. Only Movie Podcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter At @onlymoviepod. Also file any SEC, any like uh, uh violations with any um to the better broadcasting, Business Bureau, yeah, anything like that.
0: Although I don't know how how often we're going to have a chance uh, to to do an Irish accent with this film. Well, there's not a lot of Irish accents in the film no, itself. Yeah, no. Um, but uh,
1: I did reach out to a friend of mine uh, who is another podcaster as well to ask him, you know, like uh, uh, what he thought of the movie. And he he tweeted back, uh, "Whale oil be fucked." Whale oil. Whale oil be fucked. Okay. So say it. Say it fast. Whale
0: oil be fucked. Whale oil be fucked. Well, oh, I get it. <laughs> so, okay. yeah, then, uh, that's a, that's crossing the line. Do you have any <laughs> friends that aren't podcasters? Not really. Yeah, I, <laughs> I actually, I was at Thanksgiving um, a couple days ago. Yep. And happy Thanksgiving. Uh, I was talking. Oh, hey, it's happy Thanksgiving to you, here. Mm. Uh The and, and we were getting around like it was like friends of friends around a table, um, and. I made a comment to a friend's family member or whatever, and I was like, they're like, we we're just talking about movies or whatever, and I was like, oh, I, I like have a podcast, <laughs> you know, like everybody else in the planet yeah. about, you know, whatever, and they're like, oh, you. Well, you're the first person I've ever met that d- that does a podcast, and I was like, really?
1: It's <laughs> like come to New York and like throw I, I, throw I, I a know, stone. I know <laughs> find... uh,
0: it's like maybe we should just move to the Cape. Here is yeah. what I'm saying. That's my, maybe that's a, that'll be our hook. That yeah, that's we're the Cod only films? podcast about movies. Yeah, Cape Cod in films. Cape Cod. Uh... Cape Cod cinema. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Cinema Cod. The Codcast. <laughs> the Codcast. <laughs> you oh! know, you know, there's a
1: Codcast. Oh, there's got to be a Codcast. Um... I'm not sure if the Codcast is doing Martin Scorsese's The Irishman though, but we Are, which I'm very excited about, yes. uh, this is a film that I've been looking forward to all year and is one that is garnering huge, huge positive reviews, indeed. Um, but has come on the heels of uh, perhaps some artificial controversy, which I want to table... For the very end of the discussion,
0: I don't really want to talk about it at all. You we talking talk about the Marvel thing. We're talking
1: about the Marvel thing. I don't and give it, a shit. I, I, we've talked about it before.
0: Have we talked about it on the podcast? I, I feel we like did. we've avoided it. No, 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 no. I, I mean, I, th- I th- well, we can table. We, we can revisit it at the end. We have. I do want
1: to. I do want to touch on it because I think there's something interesting in terms of what Scorsese was trying to say, and whether he articulated it well or not. Is you know, not sure. I, I, I think it's uh uh i think in the first place it was odd that he was asked that question and also who cares uh what what he has to say about this but no no i mean no no
0: is this it, you tabling it for the end
1: yeah well no i'm tabling i'm tabling the preface for the end here um but but I guess what I want to do is try to get at the heart of why people are upset about that in relation to what the Irishman is doing as a film. Oh, I have so many answers.
0: Yeah. I have so many answers But in
1: rela- But only in relation to what the Irishman is doing of course, as a film. You know, of not, course. not in relation to like just people being
0: dicks on the internet. I mean, that's step one. That is, that step is one. always step one. Um.
1: So, yeah, no, I exci- am excited for this. Uh. Very briefly, I wanted to ask you, Scorsese is... Uh, a monumental figure in American cinema. Yes. You and I were both privileged enough to go to a- an advanced screening, uh, you know, a work print screening of a film that he had made a couple years ago, Silence. Yep, I've uh, actually
0: been to that one and also um, to Shutter Island. Oh, you went to a Shutter Island? Yep. Nice, great. Uh, due to our good friend Red Charzan of the podcast who's been on a couple, many different episodes, you could check out, I think, um, I American probably, Money. He's up there with Jess Tucker, uh, right? He, he's, he's not quite, I think him and Steve are tied and Jess yeah. Tucker is still, uh, wow. still pulling Ahead, uh, shout out to Frozen 2, Jess Tucker, check that out. Last week's episode, if you haven't already. But we had
1: this sort of. Oh well, okay. You've done it twice. I've done it once. We we we. we, we I sat and we you know we, we sat, sat with him. We sat with Mr. Scorsese Scorsese and his editor Thelma Schoonmaker uh, as we were watching a work print of their of their current film. And I I was anxious just sitting there with him. Uh, I found myself kind of going. Oh, I want to make sure that my reactions are real and readable, and because that's what he's—he's—he's he's, he's looking. He and Thelma are kind of there to look at how the audience is responding to the film. Sure, and I—and I—I I remember thinking. Like Martin Scorsese is not a filmmaker that I grew up uh, and and watched his films very early on in life. You know, okay. I kind of came to them a little bit later in life. Um, the the for me, you know, like the most no, the first notable film for me that I really uh, started identifying Martin Scorsese as a name was Cape Fear, which oh. is which is obviously a little bit later. It's funny I actually watched it on a boat twice, which was an interesting. Weird. Yeah, it was like this ferry trip in New Zealand you could take, and they would play a movie. Uh, and during, it was Cape Fear. And it was Cape Fear, which is a boat movie <laughs> that's
0: like watching air force one or snakes on a plane on an uh, uh, while, of, while,
1: while you're on a plane yeah exactly And it was funny because you know the trip we did was like we were only there for a week so when we came back it was the same movie playing and i watched it both both times <laughs> and i was you know i was really <laughs> taken by this film because of how stylistic it was like sure. and i think i was i was just at that early stage of trying to figure out like What cinema could be What movies could be And this was like a film That kind of surprised me In a lot of ways Um, I wasn't expecting it to be I I recall my brother When we Again we watched it at home After that So it was like A third time around And it was like The first time I ever heard him Say the words That was a really amazing shot There was like the shot Of the moonlight Or something like that Or something standing out. He was like That was a really cool shot And I think Like I remember that Really key moment Being like the first time I'd ever like Looked at something And thought about like Oh the composition Or like identifying Like an individual shot as a work of art on its own and that was kind of like my first introduction I don't think I watched Goodfellas until like college uh, or mm. later on you know like I, I got it an, and, then, and then once I like you know I knew the name at that point then I started like diving into the back catalog as far as I could go uh, there's still a few films like in the early back catalog that I haven't watched like um, uh, Who's Knocking on My Door Boxcar Bertha right. uh, you know those, those really early ones that I haven't seen yet but, but for the most part I've kind of covered most of Scorsese's body of work but it's a very big
0: body of work Yeah, I'm I curious mean- like
1: where you you know where you've kind of come into him? Oh, well, I'll tell you, your your
0: story it. is is much more intricate or interesting, I should say, than mine. I uh, I think high school. I saw Goodfellas, right. and then I just started. I, I mean, whenever I had, it, I never hunted out his films, but yeah. I always enjoyed them. Yeah. Um. He's never been uh, someone whom I've like. I don't know. Like, I think I was more like at a younger age. I was more of a Spielberg mm-hmm. kid. And you, talk, uh, yeah, you're
1: exactly. Talking there is like West Coast, East Coast, the two Goliaths of American yeah, cinema.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, there, there's something interesting, and we'll touch on it a little bit because there's themes in the movie that we're going to be talking about. But there is something very interesting. Um, I, while people in cinephile circles know the name Martin Scorsese yeah. like a hundred percent, and and it has it has uh, permeated outside of that to a point. Yeah. He never did actually get as like you. I I would wager to say that if you said to a hundred people, "Do you know who Steven Spielberg is and do you know who Martin Scorsese is?" Yeah, uh, more would know Spielberg, of course. Uh, yeah. but and that's just a weird. I don't know if that's a, just because of the blockbuster or stuff like that. Uh, but I would say in cinephile circles, a hundred percent, it is that East Coast West Coast. Sort of, um, uh, not rivalry, but just sort of like equal. Well, they're uh, friends. Reverence. They, they, yeah. they,
1: they came up in that sort of new the movie brats. Journey. Yeah, and there was a there's a funny story about uh, Scorsese and Spielberg in terms of I think it was 1995. Okay, where Scorsese was slated to direct Schindler's List and Steven Spielberg was slated to direct Cape Fear, and they traded films. Yes, <laughs> and like, and I, I wonder what would have uh, what would have happened. Had Scorsese done Schindler's List. Very different film. It would have been a very different film. Yeah. That ending uh, where, you know, like Schindler is kind of like saying, I could have bought, you know, I, I, this coin could have bought, you know, this car could have bought one more prison. I don't imagine that ending would have existed in, uh, in Stephen Spielberg, in, in Martin Scorsese's but Maybe it would have. It was written by um, uh, Thomas Keneally. So I was the screenwriter Steve Zallian as well, I believe. It I don't was. remember. Yeah.
0: But I will say, um, the uh, you know again every time I've seen a Martin Scorsese film with very few yeah. exceptions uh, I have enjoyed them right uh, y- y- you know watching his stuff especially I would say like his middle career stuff um, has always been just like a masterclass in in figuring out you know, timing story um, shot composition editing with Thelma especially uh, has just been like a real big uh, a really wonderful place to pull. Uh, craft from
1: yeah. yeah. I've definitely been on set where I've said I want this whip pan to look like a Scorsese whip pan, or I want the I want a freeze frame here, like in Goodfellas. You know, <laughs> like there's there's a shorthand used for Scorsese for Scorsese type filmmaking. Yes,
0: um, but other than that, honestly, like it's not a it's not a it's never been like a oh shit, like I have to see it this very moment. It's uh-huh. always been like a oh this is gonna be good. Like okay. I've never I don't know if I've ever maybe with the exception no. I don't know if I've ever actually gotten like hype oh. for a Scorsese picture. Okay. Uh but again, I've always watched them and for honestly with the exception of Silence. Um yeah. uh, Silence just wasn't my wasn't my bag. Right. Um but every other one that I've watched, I've been engrossed and enjoyed it. And- I
1: revisited Silence. It was on uh, Hulu recently or something yeah. like that. And I watched it. It's very good. Yeah. It's very, very, very good.
0: Oh, no, I definitely when I say it wasn't my cup of tea, I'm not sort of uh, pooing no, no, the movie at all. It just it didn't really speak to me. But it's one of those movies that is so insanely personal. Mm. Uh, that it it's interesting in that in its own right, and you put together the film craft, and That's the thing. It mm. the movie interested me while I watched it, but I did not necessarily like. Right. Uh, it it, uh, it didn't sit with me. I didn't like fully enjoy it. It was more of like, a oh, like right. this is an. Uh, I enjoyed the fact I was interested, but it was not. It's like that weird middle ground of of. Of, uh, of, of viewing. So I thought
1: we'd do like a quick top five, really quick, uh, just sort of abbreviated top five list of Scorsese films before we got into The Irishman, which I think The Irishman is a culmination of a lot of his work, so I think maybe placing it in context in terms of the body of work that he's made at this point might be interesting, especially just personally from where sure. we're coming from. So do you want to like just round robin this? Yeah, we'll I, go five, I, four, I, three, sure. two, so one.
0: Five for me, Taxi Driver.
1: Okay. That was the first
0: DVD I owned. Nice. Uh, yeah,
1: love it. Yeah. It's not on my list.
0: Okay, what's your five?
1: Cape Fear. Okay, because well, that being said, because you were on a boat, yeah, and I, I want to, I, I think maybe I just took the approach that I wanted to do like a sort of a personal approach, even though I know you know, taxi driver yeah. is arguably oh, what? A, taxi
0: driver can't be a personal approach. <laughs>
1: op- no, 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 no. What I mean is, taxi driver is far and away a better movie you know than Cape K- K- Fear, <laughs> but I just I personally responded to Cape K- Fear quite oh, a lot, I and I, re- I revisit a lot.
0: Number four for me was Shutter Island. Okay, I dug the shit out of Shutter Island. I've watched it both in the room yeah. with with Marty, but yeah. then also I watched because I wanted to see it. You know, because yeah. it was like I think ninety percent or ninety five percent done yeah. uh, when I watched it, and then I went back and watched the theatrical release. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I, I find a... that movie ridiculous, yeah. oh, but yeah. co- ridiculously
1: compelling. It's like a Martin Scorsese horror movie. It's like it's him doing Hitchcock, yeah, like you know, or him doing Samuel Fuller. Why not? Yeah, you know, and uh, yeah, I. I admire it more than I love it. There you go. Yeah. All right, what's your four? Last Temptation of Christ.
0: Okay. I,
1: th- I think Last Temptation of Christ, like, I was really struck by this the, the, the fervor with which he told this, um, you know, the story of Christ, but inverts the entire meaning of it. Um, you know, like, you know, the Last Temptation of Christ is literally about uh, Christ's Last Temptation and tells this entire story of what if he didn't die on the cross. Right. Um, and it's... I was really struck by how beautiful that was. And how in a weird way, not a religious person, but kind of profoundly made me think about religion. Okay. And what religion means.
0: I guess it did its job then. Yeah. Uh, number three for me is The Wolf of Wall Street. Good film. Uh, not one
1: that I didn't love the first time around, but I have grown to like it. It is I've grown just to like it a lot.
0: Super fun. Yeah. And it it it's uh I don't know. I, I I dug it when I watched it. I've dug it on rewatches. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Uh, I w- yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't as taken, I wasn't taken by it the first time I watched it, but I have grown to appreciate it. Uh, more and more over time, and this is this will be a thing about Scorsese. We'll talk about it in a bit. Uh, for me, uh, number three, it's another uh, you know one of the Leo films, uh, The Aviator. Ah, I was I gonna lo- call. It. Yep. Yeah, I love The Aviator. I, lo- I just Le- Aviator for me is like you know it's canon for me. It's about movie making. It's about like you know this uh, this guy who become who you know like one of the most famous filmmakers that becomes like a an era, you know in an, an, uh, an engineer as well. And it's the story, and it's so well done, and it's so influenced by like what the Cinematic languages. Just catnip for me. I think that movie's a blast. Yeah, I love it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Catnip for me is the departed the is departed. my number two.
1: Movie I have tried to like. Oh. I really have tried to like it.
0: I just I, I feel like it it mixed both the sort of like Straight up, this is a weird thing to say, especially when my number one's coming up. But I'm not a huge gangster movie fan. Ooh, we should talk about that. Uh, I just don't. Yeah. It's never connected with me. It's never been a world I've been particularly super interested in. But yeah. that, but Scorsese's films are so good that I tend to go with it. This for the the departed was uh, a couple different things. One, it was a perfect mix of I feel like gangster movie, but also like hometownness for me, like right, with, sure. with Boston and and that sort of thing. And then uh, second. Uh, to be honest, back when I did same night movie review with Stephen Buja, friend of the show, Stephen Buja, right? Uh, we used to do we used to write, shoot, and edit uh, movie reviews the same night that we saw them, right? Uh, in the style of the movie that we saw. God, God. And we were twenty three <laughs> yeah. and had infinite time and <laughs> no money in New York City. So this is what we did. This before YouTube was a thing. We yeah. uploaded quick times to websites. Okay, Uh <laughs> back in my day, yeah. but. Uh, the Depotted episode we did, uh, which Red f- was in, <laughs> yeah.
1: which was amazing. Was that before he was working for Scorsese? Um, or was he working for him at the time? I don't
0: remember. Okay. No, I think he was working for him at the okay. time. Or, but <laughs> I don't know. Uh, hey, Marty, check this I out. I Check it out. Well, it's done in the, in the vein of the trailer. <laughs> right. And uh, it was so much fun. So I've, I've always tied it back with like uh, a young me... Doing impersonations of a film that I always really enjoyed. Yeah. I
1: I that was a movie I went to a midnight screening of. I was like excited to see it. Yeah. I was like Scorsese doing you know another gangster film. I had seen Infernal Affairs, the original Hong Kong film it's based on, and I really liked that film. Yeah. Um, and I watched it, and I you know it's long. It's like two two hours forty five, maybe three. Well, is I think the, I think the term
0: long now is uh, no, no no no. Uh,
1: <laughs> well, I watched it, and I was like. And, you know, at midnight. So uh, we got out of it at two a.m. or three a.m. and stuff. And I was like, I don't know if I, l- I don't know if this is a good movie. Right. I really can't put my finger on whether it's a good movie. So I went back the next day, two o'clock in the afternoon. So oh, within twelve wow. hours, and watched it again. And I was like, I still don't know. And I have what, wa- <laughs> I have wa- I-, I swear to you, every time I watch that movie, and I've watched it four or five times now. I watch, I own it, and I and I'll watch it, and I'll go. I, I watch it with a sort of curiousness about, like, is this a good movie? Or is it not? I'm, I'm, I I can't quite decide with that film. I mean, I would say it's a good movie, but
0: th- that's number two. What was your number two?
1: My number two was Kundun. Uh, Kundun oh, was a film I've I... I've not seen Kundun. It's, Kundun is very hard to find. It was banned uh, uh, because of its... Uh, uh, its implications about the Chinese government. Uh, well, not banned, but really taken off the marketplace. There is a new Kino, uh, Kino War, uh, Kino Forber, I think, is the DVD company that has actually just produced a new print of it. It is one of the most beautiful films nice. ever put to screen. When know. did that?
0: When did that drop? What year? Uh,
1: I would say yeah. that was 1998. I oh, okay. think
0: something around that period. Yeah. Uh,
1: another one of his religious films. Um, I, I sort of I coupled it with uh, Bernardo Bertolucci's uh, The Last Emperor. I used to watch those two movies kind of back to back, and it has one of the most mesmerizing scores by Philip Glass. It's, it's just a beautiful film. I think, you know, like, somewhat inconsequential in terms of what it's trying to say. It's kind of just a uh, a look through the Dalai Lama's life, um, you know, at certain moments and, and the things that he's been through. Um, but, but just mesmerizing yeah. you know like it it's it's just hypnotic to watch yeah. it is a really beautiful stunning film hard to find if you can get the the, the new blu-ray please do yeah and my number 1 is goodfellas which
0: is the surprise of no
1: one yep and uh i have no disagreements with that uh my number 1 is casino because I came to Casino first before Goodfellas, right, so right, right, right. Uh, I and and I find you know again two movies I have I own them in every format that I that I'll ever own. Um, I watch Casino more. I find Casino. I it, I know Goodfellas is the origin point. It is the it is the the shot in the arm that started what is Scorsese's vision of the the mob movie. Right. Um, I find for me personally, Casino is a slightly more evolved. Uh, version of that story, you know, or evolved, you know, both in his uh, craftsmanship and and the storytelling itself. But no doubt about it,
0: Goodfellas is the you know the OG Casino. I've seen I think once, right, uh, and I I can't. Tell you much about it. I definitely have to watch it again. Oh, um, I've w-
1: watched that. I've watched that movie so many times. Maybe my list would change. I don't know. Uh, um, yeah. I, any any honorable mentions or anything that like that. I mean, to be honest, not really. Mm. Right. Uh, the one I want to really want to revisit that I, I only saw once in the theater was Bringing Out the Dead, mm. the Nicholas Cage film. I kind of want to check yep. that out again. I remember liking it a lot, but never revisiting it, and not sure why I didn't revisit. And I haven't seen Age of Innocence, which I you know his adaptation of the Edith Wharton film, which I hear is beautiful. I remember, uh, some. Someone... You know what I want to see? Someone I was dating. So oh. it was the sexiest film she'd ever seen. Wow. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Ooh, shout out to the mystery yeah. lady from Shakir's <laughs> <years laughs> yeah. uh You know what I do want to see? I think it's on Netflix, actually, is his Rolling Stones documentary.
1: Gimme Shelter? Yeah. Yeah, it's been, it's been, good. and also The Last Waltz is a film I have not seen, uh, you know, which is a sort of shameful in the Scorsese uh, realm, but you know, Apparently, I hear is amazing. Right. Um, so you know, we we're talking about a person who has visited the you know of that he's he's done sort of certainly uh, three religious films that we know of uh, plus plus this will be this fifth gangster movie essentially his fifth gangster crime movie. Yep. Depending on whether you count Wolf of Wall Street or not. Um, and I think you do. It's, it's just a different time period. It is. It is certainly, and um, it's certainly you know. Th- the i guess and maybe this is the morbid way to think about it um the crime or the mob genre which is a subset of the gangster film um is in of itself going to be uh known by the period before and after scorsese you know like he he is an indelible part of what that genre means even though you know, like, the, the genre go, dates all the way back to the 30s, you know, even earlier than that, you know, with, like, you know, gangster films like, you know, uh, White Heat and, you know, uh, you know all, all the way back, all the, all the Cagney films and sure. that sort of thing. But I think the mob film, you know, the, the, particularly the American-Italian mob film, you know, has been touched by two filmmakers, but one, uh, one of those filmmakers has gone back to that well repeatedly and changed it every single time, including now, uh, and that is Francis Ford Coppola and Martin Scorsese. Um, there are, of course, you know, many other films in this genre. Sure, um, but but Scorsese has made an indelible mark in this genre, uh, and you know, in film as a whole. Um, so you know, the idea that he was coming back to the genre, you know, it kind of reminded me a little bit of when we did um, uh, Prometheus. You know, we were, when we reviewed Prometheus, when we were thinking about Ridley Scott right. uh, and, you know, like coming back to the well that made him famous. And that is, you know, he is indelibly one part of that of that thing. So this is quite a the idea. And, and, it's, and he's not just bringing back him. It's bringing back De Niro, Pesci and Al Pacino for the first time, um, you know, and, you know, Thelma Schoonmaker as well. Um, so I think, you know, the, there's something about that mixture which can both cause trepidation uh, and excitement. I don't know how you felt about it.
0: I mean, no, no trepidation. Um, though, again, I I was excited for this movie for a couple different reasons. One, I, I think Goodfellas is phenomenal, and I always do like it when he goes back to the well to the other sort of like <laughs> crime movie. If you look at my list, most of them are crime movies not with the exception movies. of the Hitchcock one. <laughs> um, so, same like, kind of crime. <laughs> it, it's funny because like I'm not a huge fan of gangster films, but I will show up for a Scorsese one. Um, uh, when it comes to the cast, I mean, he always works with Thelma, so Thelma's going to be attached no matter what, which is great. Yeah. Um, the 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 cast. I've never. I feel like I'm just going to commit sin after, sin after sin after sin with this podcast, but like I've never been a gigantic uh, Robert De Niro fan. Okay. I, I I again, it's one of those things. I look at his performances. And I'm like, I know that is amazing. Yeah. Doesn't speak to me, huh? Uh, I nothing. Don't, I don't know what he. De Niro and I know this isn't true but, but what about him and goodfellas like Jimmy Conway he's good in it like he's very very good he's, he's, he's but I think um, um Ray, Liotta? Ray Liotta is uh, like outshines him insanely I mean he Ray Liotta is the main character of course but um, but,
1: but also Ray Liotta, it's Ray Liotta's first major film Yeah, versus, also, uh, also against, Joe Pesci yeah.
0: outshines him as well, well in that film, it's an
1: interesting dynamic that they have, right, Joe yeah. You know, if you think about Raging Bull as well, sure. and Casino, um, you know, like the the Pishy just, always plays sick and fiddle to dinner, with De Niro. the
0: exception of Taxi Driver, <laughs> and and maybe Fockers. All oh, right, <laughs> I, I I feel like I've seen the same performance, though it is an elegant and nuanced version of that performance but it's the same performance from robert de niro right and and, and again there's nothing wrong with that but if that one if if his performances in my in my mind's eye all like 80 to 90 percent of them fit in one category that doesn't necessarily speak to me he's never going to be registered as one of my favorite actors i mean i i again i respect and i'm glad that he does what he does Mm. it's just something that i've never been pumped for i love al pacino right uh and I loved, I loved that Joe Pesci for this film sort of came out of semi-retirement,
1: pretty much to retired, do. Yeah. yeah, he hasn't done a movie uh, it, since 2000. He's yeah. in good shape with Robert De Niro.
0: I guess is is semi-retirement just when you stop working but you don't announce it? Yeah,
1: I mean, well, uh, <laughs> as far as like the stories go, with Scorsese trying to get him back for the film, they were like, it's it's not that he doesn't want to do your film, Marty. It's just that he plays golf all day and he has no need to do films. I, I've heard the same story with Jack Nicholson as well, where they're just like, Jack Nicholson hasn't officially retired. In fact, there's talk of him coming back to do. Uh, um, they're doing a remake of Tony Erdmann hmm. uh, and he's going to take the lead. Um, but but it's just that he's like, you know, like uh, there was it was a story with Louis C.K. I think I mentioned this on a, on a per- previous episode. Louis C.K. was trying to get him for that uh, TV show that uh, that Louis had uh-huh. um, and he ha- he wanted Jack Nicholson to do the lead and Jack Nicholson said look you know he read the script and he said to him look it's a really good script uh, I really appreciate this if any other you know any other time in my life I would do this but I sat in my, you know, I sat in my uh, in my yard in a hammock all day and read a book, and I don't want to do not do that, you know, right now.
0: I, look, <laughs> you and know? you can't fault anybody for that. Like, you you work your ass off and you become sort of a master at your craft, and like, you know what? There's, there's and you're at an age where you can retire, and and there is something to be said. I don't know if this goes. I mean, this goes through my head uh, a lot with sort of professional things and stuff like that. Like, will there be a time when I will be okay with being like, you know, what I did the best that I can do with what you know with my time in my professional life. I will now rest. Or will I be one of those people yeah. that will not die and <laughs> continues to just keep making stuff that maybe will be good, but probably won't be as good as my like Ooh, core I'm, work. I'm
1: curious what you think of Mr. Pisci in this film. Um yeah, I uh no, I I think the the idea that he bore him out of time and and both De Niro and Pacino have been kind of I wouldn't call it slumming it, but but seem to have been, not. Um, I don't, maybe phoning it in is. It sounds like the 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 slightly too harsh version of what I'm saying. But I think I feel like they're just becoming uh, paycheck paycheck. They're cashing in. They're cashing in. Why yeah. not? Which well, is why not. You know, like I read a great stat today, which is like De Niro has made more money uh, outside of acting than he has as an actor. Oh so, like, yeah. So like to do acting is just like oh, I'll just do this thing. You
0: know? And Pacino, his entire career, it seems as though he's just having a good time. Well, the early you know, like, I think up until Scent of a Woman, you know, you could argue, like, he's
1: he was the method actor. You gotta remember, both these guys were renowned as, you know, like, the Stanislavski guys. You know, they sure. They were the ones who knew about internal, they were the ones who came on set and understood every detail. But they it, were the heir appearance to Marlon Brando. But
0: you know what's interesting? the uh, Pacino, for whatever reason, and maybe it's just their brand of what you just described, their, their own personal sort of twist on it, but Pacino always had a sparkle, like, in his eye or something. There was just something in his performance and the way that he worked that that spoke to me in a way that said, like, this is a person that is incredibly committed to a thing, but also having a really fucking good time. And, uh, I don't know. That always... I always gravitated towards that. In fact, you know what's weird, uh... Not always. I think uh the film that actually got me on the Pacino train was not like okay. uh, you know, Scarface or, you know, any of that jazz. Yeah. Uh it was the Devil's Advocate. wow ah, And re- that's so the leader. Yeah, that's the real post
1: hoo ha kind of. Then past- I went
0: but then I went back, right? right. And and uh I mean, I, I still think Pacino's Devil <laughs> is one of the best portrayals
1: of the devil. It's really you know, in my mind, it's very close to uh, Jack Nicholson in The Departed. It's a really, yeah. close, it's similar. So that sort of like uh, raspy, kind of like wry yeah. sense of the world, you know, like b- 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 purely devilish. I, I think for me, Pacino's best work for me is with Michael Mann. It's with The Insider and um, Heat. I think those two I films, mean, Heat's great, yeah. And you know, that's obviously another um, w- you know uh, piece with Robert De Niro. Uh, early, and you can see all of both these actors having like sort of. Transition, you know, different periods of their career, and you know, uh, for Pacino, it's the Saint of the Woman where he wins the Oscar, you know, for Who Hiring It Up, and then that becomes like a catchphrase, and he, you know, well, that becomes his like his, his ability to to suddenly burst into big.
0: Well, they've also Bec- they both had their share of catchphrases. Yeah. I mean, you are talking to me?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, but that was early in his career, know, right? You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: they're they can do uh, the catchphrases.
1: Uh, yeah, and so you know, Pacino in, in now the Jack and Jill Dunkachino phase is you know is, is an interesting sort of point. This film, okay, we haven't really got into this film yet, but like, tell us what the what the IMDb synopsis. Oh man, called, the for, for the
0: for the three hour and twenty nine minute runtime, I, I think this might be the most in depth IMDb <laughs> description we've ever had. Okay, and, and, and something that I feel like is the only way you can encapsulate something as long and complex as this film. <laughs> A mob hitman recalls his possible involvement with the slaying of Jimmy Hoffa. Direct to the point. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. <laughs> <laughs> if you couldn't watch the film, here it is. <laughs> so yeah, you don't need to see it. Uh, there it is. Uh, yep. So this is based off the book. Uh, I heard you paint houses. I heard you by paint um, by Charles Brandt. But yeah. um, but like also with um, discussions with Frank Sheeran. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, this is a uh, this is an adaptation of that book, and and Scorsese and uh, De Niro haven't worked together since nineteen ninety five, which is Casino. Right. They've been trying to work together for a while. Schedules uh, schedules getting in the way, and uh, I believe it was when De Niro was directing The Good Shepherd, uh, about the uh, CIA uh, yep. uh, boss with Matt Damon. I forget the <laughs> I forgot the film uh, entirely. Uh, but but basically presented uh, him this, you know, read the book at that point, and Scorsese, you know reaction to it was wasn't necessarily about the material itself it was about de niro's reaction to this character and he said i think if we can tap into that if we can tap into the way you feel about this character because the way he said you know the way he describes it in interviews is that uh de niro was really profoundly saddened by what had happened to this man frank sharon or what the way his life had played out um and 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 scorsese was like i think that's the movie if we can kind of tap into the w- the way you feel about this character, then I think that's the movie.
0: Because it does it does break away from the book uh, mm-hmm. slightly in a couple different ways, because granted, like, no one knows what's true and what's not as far as history is concerned, mm-hmm. so, like, there's a couple, you know, uh, artistic license in the book, and then mm-hmm. the film takes different things. Side note, mm-hmm. one thing, real quick. Uh, one of the things I do enjoy about gangster films, but also gangsters, I guess, in general, <laughs> is how... Clever they are with their naming conventions. Oh yeah, I heard you paint houses. So Is good. it's both terrifying and hilarious and accurate because it's it's for if you haven't caught on to what it means, it's it's for slaying people. You're you're hitting their blood against a wall like yeah. that's what it, they're talking about. So yeah. that's their code for oh you're gonna off a guy. Yeah, like but they always have these <laughs> like catchphrases that do. All of those things. It's a coded language, right? But 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 it's it's this weird, it's poetic terror. Yeah, Uh, and it comes from a a magical place (laughs) of being like. Of, of not giving a shit, but giving way too much of a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I can imagine you
1: right now, and someone says to you, Hey, you're going to sleep with the fishes. And you'll be like, Say that again, please. And you'll be
0: like, Sleep with the fish. He goes, That's delightful. I mean, but it is. But it's, it's delightful and scary. And there's very few things I can think of. Vernacular-wise, yeah. that hit those two marks. Have
1: you seen Donnie Brasco? Yeah, 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 yeah. Remember the whole "forget about it" the sequence? Yes. When they're like, "Forget about it" can mean this, but really, what it means is this. Where you could say it like this, and it's like he goes through like five iterations of what it means, and it's like it is powerful in terms of like how much context matters. Yeah,
0: you cadence know? matters. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's 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 always very fascinating. This, so.
1: And this film is one I think, unlike Casino and Goodfellas, where they're relying on the audience to kind of do the work. Uh, in In Casino and Goodfellas, there's, there's often a, a, a a narrator who's kind of explaining things to you what that you know when somebody says something what it might mean whereas in this one there's points where i was like i don't know exactly what that phrase means but i know what it means in in because sure. you know and like you, you can see it in de niro's face a lot of times where they're looking at each other and they say you know like it is what it is you know like yeah. it is what it is means that the decision is final
0: here's a here's a thing you said doing the work yeah. uh it's a, a, yeah. a topic i want to kind of bring up uh before we dive into like full-on spoilery yeah. town uh There was a lot of discussion on Twitter when this dropped about the optimal way to watch this film. Mm -hmm. It is a long film, like I said, three hours, 29 minutes. It is a commitment. Uh, and I think uh, what Scorsese is asking you to do is to do the work. He wants you to sit down, watch it, ingest it, and and, and he, I think he's even said like he wants you to watch it in one sitting because of yeah. course he does. Uh, there's been a lot of weird reactions to that. Some people have been like, "Yeah, absolutely, you do what Scor- Scorsese says because it's his film and whatever." Some people have reacted with a sort of like "How dare he?" sort of mentality, which I think I mean this is again this is the, the Marvel the, the, reaction. No, no, no. Right? I don't even think it's the Marvel reaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's um. I think it's just sort of internet entitlement reaction, right? Like, it's like, I have a I have a family and kids. There's no way I can watch this thing. And it's because you want to watch it, but you can't. So, like, then then people coming saying it's the only way, and then people get into stupid arguments mm-hmm. about nothing. There was a guy on Twitter, Alexander Dunfers who's a Swedish-based uh, entertainment journalist. And he came up with this really, I thought, handy if it fits your lifestyle guide to watch it as a miniseries. Yeah. Um, And it basically, like, laid out four different parts, and he, like, named them based on what was going on and, like, the timestamps and da-da-da, like, if you wanted to do it. Right. And people came at him like a... Fu- like, he just was, like, uh just, like, shat on everyone's mom. Like, it was weird. Okay. And it just got me thinking. I was like, why... Like, th- there's no dog in this fight. Like, obviously, Scorsese wants you to watch the whole movie. Yeah. If you can't watch it in one sitting... You know, if you're looking for intent, I'm sure he'd rather you watch it in parts than not at all. Right. Or, or you know, you everyone can watch it in their own way. And I, I, I just, I found it so fascinating. People were getting so up in arms about like. Not only like the proper way to watch this, but what you're how you're allowed to watch things in general. Okay. Uh, I even tweeted out because I was just getting sick of all the fucking discourse. <laughs> I was like, well, listen, I'm just going to leave it on for twenty four hours, <laughs> hours over the weekend or forty eight hours <laughs> over the weekend. And I'm gonna walk by through my living room real slow every seventeen minutes. And I'll have seen the film. Oh, boy. And then people yelled at me, whatever. But <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> Nobody yelled at you. It, well, there was really? yeah, it's not not yelled at people, no. you know, Whatever. No. Uh, the point being. Yeah. Uh, I just find that discourse – I mean, we've talked about, like, artist intent and, like, yeah. da 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 and, like, you know. And and we can have beliefs as to, you know, oh, well, we should respect the artist when we can or we should be able to watch however we want to watch a thing based on our lifestyle, et cetera. And you can believe that one avenue is correct. Yeah. But I find it weird when it gets, like, real vitrally. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's, it's like... That's Twitter, right? I, I mean, know! That's Twitter.
1: I mean, that's I Twitter. I it makes me I sad. Mean, look, in terms of uh, sitting down for the length of it, um, uh, I, I watched it in one sitting. Yeah, same. Um, I, and I was really happy that I did. Um, Scorsese has done TV shows before. You know, he's produced Boardwalk Empire. Oh, he's directed yeah, yeah. episodes of Broadwalk Empire. He understands what episodic television is. Yeah. He's about to, you know, I think he's doing either Devil in the White City as a TV show or Killers of the Flower Moon. One of those two is going to be a TV show. One of them is going to be a movie. Yep. Um, and he understands what episodic television is. Yeah, does. he's not like he's not going. Uh, you know, no, this is not episodic television. You know, he gets that there's a way to watch things like that. Um, there's a quote that he had about watching it, and I, and I, I think this is the best interpretation of the reason to watch it is three hours. Yeah, uh, and he says the point of this picture. Side note. I love that Martin Scorsese still calls movies pictures. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, like it's, it's I, it's just weird. like, if he was my granddad or something like that, I would just think that was the most adorable thing. And it, his movies, uh, open with a Martin Scorsese picture, but it just, it, it just has this quality to it that I love. Yeah. Uh, because the point of this picture is the accumulation of detail. It's an accumulated, cumulative effect by the end of the movie, which means that you get to see from the beginning to the end in one sitting if you're so inclined. A series is great. It's wonderful. You can develop each Karen plot lines uh, and worlds are recreated, but this wasn't right for that. This was intended to be an explanation Exploration of a person's life from one point to the end of it. So you see it as a cumulative effect. And I, you know, like, for me, that actually was the effect that the, the intended effect it had. I wonder, I, you know, no, no vitriol to this journalist's uh, approach, but I wonder if the last act you know like if you're watching it as sort of like a standalone might not have the impact had you not watched it in line with everything else? I think it potentially would but uh, but uh, but uh, but you know like when he says it's accumulative and that's the way I felt about it I I think I agree with that.
0: Yeah, I mean I agree with that on, in principle I also agree with the fact that people ingest information differently. Yeah. Like and so some people might just not have the time to do it and would like really wish they could watch it in one sitting. Right. Other people might actually digest it better in chunks just depending on how you process visual and audio information um I personally think it's more worth watching it in one sitting, um, but but that shouldn't discount other you know people that that might feel they get it in a different. No, way. no vitriol for however
1: yeah. anyone watches yeah. it. If You watch this on your uh, on your Kindle or whatever, <laughs> on your Fire tablet. You oh, know? that
0: person's fucking dead to me.
1: Yeah, or on your Nintendo Switch. You know, good for you.
0: How can you do that? Or an Would iPhone? Would you do that? Yeah, I
1: think does a Nintendo Switch have a Netflix? I don't think player? it
0: has. Maybe it does at this point. I don't yeah. know. Um, but that having been said, <laughs> let's get into a little bit of the movie here. I did think the movie was too long. Really? Yeah. Okay. I thought it, w- it we'll get into a little bit why I don't want to like just talk the full like length of the thing, but like <laughs> I, 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 w- I saw what some What time of the day did you watch it? Uh, I wa- I started watching it around nine.
1: Okay. So you finished about midnight. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um Yeah. I I I just I saw some again. Who the fuck am I to say this? But like I saw some places you could cut, right? Like and, and still get. I think get the feeling that I got from it. But again, I mean, I don't know. You didn't find it long at all.
1: I, I didn't find it long. I I sort of uh, I guess maybe on principle. Um, I don't. Tr- I try not to engage with that kind of. Um, thinking about where the film. You know where where it could. I I usually think that if information is being doled out that I don't need. But if I feel like the filmmaker is in... If I'm in capable hands, it's like how long is the length of string kind of thing, you know what I mean? Like, Bella has a film that's seven and a half hours long, Satan And I think it's difficult to argue that that is the length that that filmmaker intended that film to be kind of thing, and that is what he wants you to do. And so... The intent is to sit through it. Whether I like it or not is a different story. Sure, But I, I I try not to go, well, I think I know more about where this could be cut or where
0: this couldn't be cut. I, I, my point is, there were multiple times that I looked at the clock. Right. And whenever I do that, I've sat in movies that have been three-ish hours long and mm. not looked away from the screen. Right. This was not one of those times for me. Right. Um, I, and And when I start looking at the clock, more than a few times I'm just like, okay. And then my brain instantly goes with like, well, what I start getting into a self-analysis thing of like, well, what is what is causing me to lose the tension here? Right. And and again, when I say, Oh, I think I found some places where it could be cut, that is a personal thing. Right. Like again, I I, for the story that he is trying to tell, I'm pretty damn sure he did what he wanted to do and like what I would consider in, in in film circles the correct move. But but for me personally I I just there there were points where I was like I I got it without the nuance and the nuance the extended nuance w- just did not give me any new information or emotion for it Okay. so um but again uh, that was I was curious if you, if if you if you uh, it, it's hit that at it's all.
1: certainly um a um. It's certainly a patient film, is what I would describe, is how I would describe it. And so, for me, Scorsese has had uh, a double count. Uh, he's had a really intrad- interesting, contradictory effect for me in almost every single one of his films, which is that I find him exhilarating. Like, like when I watch him, his movies, I think it's like one step from going off the rails, but he's always in control, and it's like it's just a wild ride. Sure. And I am constantly exhilarated by almost every moment I get palpably excited watching how he moves the camera i get palpably excited by watching how he and thelma schoonmaker put scenes together and like counter you know put ideas together I, i just find it absolutely breathtaking this contradictory part of it is that i always find that for some reason the ending of almost every scorsese film for me is always entirely deflating in almost the wrong way. It feels like it's the wrong way. It usually what I have to do with him is I have to go back and watch it a second time, or I have to like give you know I have and then to... then it
0: becomes not deflating.
1: Yeah, it becomes like ah uh, okay like the ending of The Wolf of Wall Street is a perfect example where it ends. I was like ah oh, is this the point where we're gonna end this film where it kind of like you know he's he's doing the sales pitch in front of the crowd um, in New Zealand of all places you know and and then we just sort of have this shot of the crowd. It's the same in like uh, Goodfellas you know like uh, he's like uh, uh, the worst part about it is I couldn't even you know uh, I order spaghetti and I get a pa- plate of noodles with ketchup on it and then we cut to black you know and and it's like these endings scorsese's endings have always left me a little bit deflated and they they always feel like he's just dropping me at like an an, in a strange moment but here's the thing what i think he's doing in the irishman is he's taking and he's not doing this for my benefit but i think he's taking the idea of the ending because you know like at the end of casino the end of goodfellas it's like the life ended and it sucks from now on and what he's doing in this film, he's saying, well, what does the life look like from now on? You know, like, what does the life actually feel like once the life is ended? And in a way, this movie, to me, was both elegiac and ruminative and... Iriqui- What's the first
0: word? I knew ruminative, but I don't know ele- <laughs>
1: elegiac. It's like a poem for uh, time that's passed. Okay. You know, like an elegy. Um, oh! And, and contemplative about the way in which life passes us and and it's there i think the the really beautiful thing here is that it's like a funeral for this life and there is this haunting element to this where the final moments of this film i guess we we will do kind of spoilers up early yeah
0: we're about 40 minutes in we should start probably start but, saying but things
1: while this is kind of contemplative what the thing that I think is interesting is Scorsese wields Frank Sheeran's story to be an exploration of a probably his own mortality and the genre that he's kind of affected so much and created like these really interesting subtextual components of this film you know there's like the, the fact that he's bringing back these three people uh, well De Niro and Pesci into this world you know and and putting them through the ring there's even like little little subtle references to Casino in this film where like the fact that uh, Hoffa's teamsters are giving money to the casinos yep. and you know and I think there's almost a line of dialogue a voiceover that sounds exactly like from Casino um there's a point where Um, Joe Pesci mentions a character uh, That they're going to give some guns to By the name of David Ferrier Or David Ferry Uh, He says a fairy named Ferry Yep Joe Pesci played David Ferry in JFK, yeah, and you know, like it was a truly haunting performance. So it's like these people are kind of like revisiting their old works. The Martin Scorsese cinematic universe. It is kind of the Martin Scorsese cinematic universe, but it's also a funeral for the Martin Scorsese cinematic universe, in that the film is kind of contemplating what is left beyond that. And I think to an extent, Scorsese, you know, who himself has uh, is, you know. Uh, um, a self-professed, you know, somewhat lapsed Catholic who is like always been searching for God in his films. He talks about a lot about how you know he wanted to be a priest at one point. His films are a rumination on like our relationship to the spiritual, and and I think this film is kind of like really unlike I think almost any other film he's done, uh, contemplative about what does the end look like, and it's bleak. It's very bleak. It's very much like you know the there's a point which two FBI agents ask Frank Sharon at the end of this everyone you're trying to protect is dead what are you waiting for and he's like i'm just not going to tell you and he's, you know like and he it's basically like this question of like what is it all meant what is all of this meant and if the end is empty like to me the thing that's interesting about this is that we're all bound for death this film is all about the bound, you know, the, the point at which everyone reached death. We get these intertitles throughout the entire film about like how people have died. You know, we get these little flash frames about how people have died. And then at the end, you know, basically the thing that's left with De Niro who doesn't die one of these sort of like sudden deaths like right. everybody else. Is that he's going to be? Uh, there's going to be no one to usher him into death. There's no. There's going to be no one around him to kind of help him into the final stages of his life. He is. He has lost kind of almost everything, perhaps because of this life. And that's something that I think, Goodfellas and Casino, um, you know, kind of touch upon this idea that there's, you know, what is after this life, and this film kind of really plays that out. And so, I found that really beautiful.
0: I didn't really find it. This movie played it out. I mean, this movie actually, I'd be interested in the math of it. not that it really matters. I don't think it did anything incredibly different in that regard from the other films as far as like exploring that more. I think we spend more time on it, mm-hmm. uh, but I think that's we're spending more time on everything right uh, you know um the 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 film itself to me, especially by the end,, uh, I am more interested. In all of the subtext of the film, like mm. the stuff that you just described, I'm like, that sounds fucking fascinating. Like w- which part? Uh, the, the part about, uh, you know, the it's it's sort of obsession with death and like what's there after the ride ends and like all that's like that. That sounds great to me. Not a lot of things in this movie got me thinking in that direction. Not the
1: last that last act.
0: I mean the last act is fine but I've seen truncated versions of that last act in a lot of his other films. I mean almost every one of his f- not uh, depending like gangster style things. What, it, are, what
1: are we talking about when we say the last act? I want to make sure
0: we're talking Oh, about sorry. Act. Uh the just I, sort of after people start aging and dying and then De Niro's left alone yeah. to contemplate. I mean uh, uh, yeah. in different ways. Yeah. All of his character in, in these styles of his films, all of his characters are left alone to rot in the world that they've made, left behind from the world that they when they were up on high. Mm-hmm. This is just a different version of that, and, and we spend more time on it. There, there's a moment in the, uh, and again, we're getting sort of mm-hmm. deep into spoilers. Something that I actually did did enjoy a lot, and it was one of those moments that sort of clicked for me, was when um, uh, the nurse uh from Orange is the New Black, mm-hmm. um she's he, uh robert de niro aged is going through the pictures and he's like see you know that you know who that is and she and he, she goes no he's like that's jimmy Hoffa." and she's like oh and he's like you don't know who that is and he, she's like no i know yeah. like yeah. and and that to me was something that i thought again it's sort of the meta textualness and the mm-hmm. stuff of you sort of said of like even either martin scorsese's mm-hmm. career himself or the things that we keep Dear to us generationally, that are referential touch points. That how much impact will we make in the yeah? yeah, Like will no one will know? Like uh, I find that very interesting. And there's definitely moments of that in this movie. But um, the 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 drip feed of information, or or not even how do I put it? I was never here. This is the interesting part. (laughs) When I I look back at the length of the film, and Mm. I was looking at the clock. I realized I was not bored, Mm -hmm. but it was a lot, like, nothing in this movie surprised me.
1: Right.
0: From maybe... I don't know the 15 20 minute mark I was like oh I know I this is a very this is a, a a same verse second verse same as the first sort of like tale just slightly differently with a different protagonist and then like actually tying it in sort of more to even more historical stuff than than previous stuff with Jimmy Hoffa right um and 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 then there's a lot uh, there's a lot of just sort of like men talking in vague statements that often are very sort of poetic in their simplicity in middle-tier restaurants like just a lot and i found myself just being like oh okay cool and not really connecting with the exception of joe fucking pesci right holy fuck was i just locked on every time he did anything he's great right He's, he's majestic
1: in this film uh, and, and, and and his
0: most, know, like, subdued role, yeah, I think yeah. I've seen. And uh, I, oh, fuck, it was so good, and it made me so sad that, like, I haven't seen him in stuff for a long time.
1: You know, he's self-imposed. But also, you know, he's had that kind of high career where he, you know, won an Oscar for My Cousin Vinny. Which is so know, fucking good. Uh, uh, you know, like, and has these amazing performances with Scorsese, and then kind of blasted out in, out of the world in Home Alone, and, and you know, like... uh uh, what, whi- what you did, you little jerk. And lethal whipping, you know, like they, you know, like so he's kind of had that big, huge career where he's done like pretty much everything he could do.
0: And I'm not saying I want him to keep coming back, yeah. I want him to be happy. I want him to be able to, you know, play golf or do whatever he wants to do. <laughs> um, but I was mesmerized every time he was like, it's funny. I found myself sort of like lulled into similarities with a lot of the other performances. Even, I mean, Al Pacino sort of like rocked me out every once in a while because he's like loud and and, and like boisterous and like, you know, Hoffa-esque. Yeah, he's got the biggest role. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, De Niro's character felt very De Niro to me. Uh,
1: he's, he's doing a very subdued performance, which actually reminded me a lot of like his really early roles. Like uh, uh he was in uh Bernardo Bertolucci's film 1900. where it's right. very, you know, what De Niro was known for back in those days was like stillness. Yeah. You know, like quietness, stillness.
0: But Pe- Pesci <laughs> shook me out of any uh lethargy that uh I was in throughout this movie yeah. every time he was on. And it was interesting. I found it very interesting because his, you know, he was always very um He he, he never yelled. He never did anything to sort of like uh, audibly, decibel wise, shake you. Yeah. It's just there's something there. um, He's also diminished,
1: you know, diminutive in stature next to De Niro. And that's always been there, you know, whenever they've been in movies together, it's always been tall De Niro, little Pishy, and little Pishy has had, has had like a chip on his shoulder and like wants to, wants to fight the bigger guy. You know, he's always, he's always out
0: to get him. But this time he was. At least maybe not physically, but but in every other aspect, he was the bigger man.
1: Big, he was the bigger man. And that was it was weird to watch because the dynamic was always like you knew Robert De Niro is physically more imposing than Joe Pishy, but Joe Pishy was the power broker. You know, like he right. was the power player in each of these scenes. I think I think in the world of these films, you know, like that, com- you know, you think back to Goodfellas as well, yeah, uh, where, uh, you know, De Niro played Jimmy Conway, another Irishman. Uh, it's the idea that he's not Italian, you know, right. like he's not Italian. He's never going to be part of that world. He's never going to be a made man, except for the case in, you know, in this film where where uh, Buffalino kind of like, you know, says there's only three. Of the- Look how much I made you, you know, like he is giving him the power. But it is. Coming from someone who is part of the yeah. family and oh, someone yeah. who's not part of the family,
0: so so that's he, he shook me out of any moments mm-hmm. where I was just sort of like lost in mm-hmm. in it, like not in a good way, just sort of like go- floating down the river. Yeah. Um. But you know what? Absolutely, did not pull me out of it in a mm-hmm. in a bad way that I thought might mm-hmm. was the de aging.
1: Yeah, it's funny. We uh, I I was I was kind of hoping we would get through the end of the conversation and just sort of go, oh yeah, and they de-aged stuff and it looked okay. Oh uh, well, and, th- no, 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 it's fine. I I was just like, because the more I've contemplated the deaging, the more I've gone like, I think this is the best usage of the deaging. It hundred percent is because not only do I not notice it after, I mean, I definitely noticed it to begin with, and yep. there's definitely there are th- elements to it that don't really work, but. There are elements to Casino and Goodfellas that don't really work, and what the, this kind of the deaging kind of falls into this category of the things that don't work in Casino and Goodfellas, which is that they're just part of the arsenal of the tools that are available to tell this particular story. Sure, and it points, you know, like De Niro doesn't look like a fifty-year-old. He doesn't walk like a fifty-year-old man. There's well, a so point where he beats someone up, there's a, so and they, he looks like an eighty-year-old man in a fifty-year-old body. Right. You, you
0: well, know? so here's the here's the kicker on that. I, I was never taken out, mm-hmm. and I thought it was cut together very intelligently. Mm-hmm. Uh, to sort of hide things like that. Um, And the tech that they used was the special cameras, not the normal stuff with MoTrack dots and all that stuff, because they wanted to get the performances straight Mm -hmm. through. I've talked with Red a little bit about this stuff. Actually, Red wrote in, uh, talked a little bit about sort of the process. I wanted to read that. Uh, (laughs) It's
1: funny. I think both of us have been texting Red this week. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it's our buddy. His movie came out. Yeah. Uh, So Red is uh, the visual effects editor for Sekelia Pictures and Mm -hmm. for this this film. And uh, so he worked with, you know... uh, all of the special effects teams. And and uh, I asked him if he had anything he wanted to talk about just sort of specifically, uh, you know, a short blurb. And he sent me back this. He said, although we used a completely new face mapping and tracking technology and have just as many visual effects shots as many of the action intensive movies out there today, we never let the shots or the scenes be dictated by the VFX. Right. Every shot. Every scene's first priority is the story. We had to ride a fine balance between de-aging and performances. The emotion and emotive performance always took priority. Yeah. And a- after he mentioned that, I was... So it, I'll rewind just ever so slightly. I've never seen like the close-ups of a, of a de-aging thing. I mean, we just saw Gemini Man, and yeah. there's, that looks like plastic galore through a lot of On it. On the daytime scenes. That get, yeah. They do. Uh, but here... It's very it. It's how do I put it? It's not. It's funny because it's like a marketing tool for the film, but it's not the point of the film. No,
1: it's the the success of the film does not rest on the aging. Right. That's that's the thing. You know, like, and I and I and I thought about it in relation to the opening scene of Casino. In the opening scene of Casino, Robert De Niro walks out of the uh, out of the casino. He sits in his car, and it explodes. And the moment before it explodes, you can see it. It's a flash frame where we we cut where we see it's meant to be a match cut, but we see it's a dummy sitting inside yeah. the car. It's you know a plastic dummy that blows up. And I'm like, w- and, and it always jumps out of me. Always jumps out 100 percent every time I watch that movie, it always jumps out. But I go, but that's the tool set that he's using in order to tell that story. And the success of the scene has nothing to do with the effectiveness or ineffectiveness of that particular visual effects tool set, sure. And that's and that's the case with this, yeah.
0: The The interesting part though is, and, and I'm mm-hmm. I, over so overall, I am very glad that that was the, the mantra moving mm-hmm. forward while making this movie, but there are the, the there was really I think just one scene that I can remember it's the one you called out where he beats up the the mm-hmm. guy in the in the wide shot the grocer. Yeah. And that to me broke what was happening sort of entirely because it, when you age the gait of your movement and your walk changes. Yeah. And while it's amazing to have these facial performances uh a motive to a a, a uh, I don't even know, like a, a millimeter or even less or whatever, like yeah. these these things that you're getting through on a de-aged face, uh, it does sort of, I, I do wish that for some of the stuff that was a little more physically demanding. Yeah uh that that maybe they tried to take those performances and put them on a younger body just for the wide I think I I understand why yeah. they didn't and yeah. red, like the what red said I 100% would rather that mantra yeah. and have these one or two little things that like like oh no this one tiny seat like who gives a shit? Yeah. but like uh I I I was shocked how much after the first couple scenes uh that it just did not didn't it even think didn't about it. Registered for, for me some
1: at all. reason. Al Pacino looks the, like looks incredible. The entire now the, the 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 reason being is I think they're only doing one age for him. Yes. So they're so they're only kind of seeing one. But I was like. Man, Pacino has rocked this world. Like like whatever, you know, because I cause with De Niro, you kind of see it. With with uh Pesci, you kind of see it. Yeah. Pacino, you're like, man, whatever he's doing, and it might just be because he's doing it big, whatever. Um, I think I 100 I percent agree. I don't think the the success of the film hinges on it. The reason you know, this is a film that took 10 years to get made. It took a long time to get made. Uh, no studio would finance it because they had a $160 million budget uh, price tag attached to this film. And the reason being is that all three... This is that that kind of that thing I, I guess I wanted to come to eventually was that Scorsese, De Niro, Pacino, Pesci are kind of wielding the tools here to tell a kind of personal story. So whenever, whenever there were moments where... Because you know what you're suggesting, where you might use uh, another body over you know De Niro's head for more sort of ver- verisimilitude, you know, like an accu- more accurate look. I always kind of was like, it kind of doesn't matter because we're watching this as a reflection of someone's memory, you know, like we're watching. Narratively, it through- you can go through that hoop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you sort of just go through that hoop, and 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 I think it always kind of like works in that sense. Whereas like in Gemini Man, for example, the accuracy with which they can clone Will Smith's face and de-age it is the central hook of the premise. You know, like it's it's the central reason we're there. Whereas this this is just part of the 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 tool set that they're using in order to tell the story, which to me Is more of this contemplative nature of what is what is our what does our lives amount to, and um, there was one story in this that kind of really struck me, and that was where they really like they that's the moment where they use the de aging technology to its absolute fullest, and that's where De Niro is remembering being back in Italy uh, as a soldier, and he's standing over two people that he's been told who's he's told to um, to dig their own graves, and he, he makes this comment. Uh, which I think is like um, emblematic of the entire film. He says, they dug faster as if, to pl- as if they thought um, their good work would please me. And I still, you know, and but it didn't matter. I still killed them. Yeah. And it was like, and that's kind of where he ends up in life, which is that you know he ultimately decides to kill who is his best friend, and he loses his family for it. But he does it in this way where he's like, "There's just no turning back from this. I just have to do this," you know. Like, and he's just going to do it as you know he cu- he figures out all the ins and outs of how to do it, and then it ultimately leaves him. You know, he still ends up in the same place. Yeah. And I think you know, like that. That to me is what the film is really ruminating on
0: i I think you're 100 correct Mm -hmm. i think where it falls flat for me though is the stuff that he loses being his family or his Mm -hmm. like maybe his friend is a little more clear and more sort of baseline for me but even though there are plenty Mm -hmm. of scenes of the family either driving or going bowling or like doing stuff like that the uh, they're always window dressing for the piggy scenes so so the Peggy scenes yeah. is is almost like this is how I I kind of felt I I I don't think the Peggy storyline let me rephrase the Peggy storyline did not emotionally affect me whatsoever. Hmm. Because – so there's two modes of family, quote unquote, in this film. There's background noise family, first wife, other daughter until the longer speaking role near the very end, um, the, the multiple children, et cetera, that are not – people that are not part of the mob and not Peggy. And then there's the other version, which is Peggy, mm-hmm. which is taking that familial what, – what I feel what I would call the familial story and really like fucking laser focusing it down to one character. Yeah. And the first time they did it, when she's a little girl and, and mm-hmm. Pesci wants, like, because Pesci and his, um, uh, Ru- Russ and his wife can't have kids, so, like, wants to be, like, friendly with the daughter. Um, and she rejects him, but then she really likes Jimmy. And I <laughs> saw, like, oh, there's going to be, like, a power dynamic. That, that's sort of going to play into it a little bit. It was all very <laughs> subtle. Um, But then, uh you know, we just kept getting scenes. That wasn't the first scene with Peggy. No, no, I know. But she was always quiet. And Does she was... It, so.
1: Because well, I'm, I'm remembering one scene that like really hammered this home. Okay, what was does that scene? Where, the one we've already talked about, where De Niro beats up the grocery store guy. Sure, but that, that doesn't that doesn't. That's the moment Peggy like starts to lose him. That's what that scene's about.
0: We've never seen Peggy have him. No, like but, that d- that that's my 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 <laughs> point is Peggy the entire way through, from before that scene and after that scene, we never get a different Peggy we never get any development of peggy whatsoever peggy is a fulcrum or like a, a catalyst for peggy is the representation of him losing his family but that but th- what didn't work for me is she's only a representation of a family like i don't i've i've never seen them have a, a, a remotely a loving interaction I, yeah. I've never, like, I, I, I just... So, so there's two... There's, well, there, I, let me just, just wrap sorry, up my, ahead, my, my yeah. thing. Yeah. So because of that, yeah. the, the through line of it never pulled me. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, when we get Anna Paquin's seven words <laughs> in this movie, uh I, the it didn't really... Like, if that's supposed to be, like, the center knot of all of these strings of emotion and the emotional, re- like, revelation of this character, of, of, mm-hmm. of Frank... It never landed for me because I never felt like there was, I was never shown a thing that he valued more than his job. And then when he lost his secondary or third dairy thing, it didn't like, I wasn't like, oh, this is his humanity or like whatever. Like it never clicked again for me. Maybe I missed some subtext. Maybe it's just what I value in stories is, is, is different than what this story is trying to give me, um, but it it did not really connect with me whatsoever. I, I had it, more of the the triangle between the three men was the only real thing that I thought. I I was I was acutely aware for me
1: I yeah. was acutely aware of what was going on with Piggy the entire time, and um, it's it is subtle. It's very very subtle, but it's like the. There's no the the scene where he beats up the grocery store guy is all about Piggy and it's all about it's all about her reaction to seeing how violent he truly is. But
0: she never was different before that moment, so we that's never for, saw. That's a change. like the
1: first or second time we see her. Exactly. But that, I don't need to see the change. All I need because she's not a main character. All all she's witnessing is the horror of who her dad actually is, and that's enough for me. And he there's there's a moment. I just wanted her to be a character. But there well the. the I think this this debate about how many lines of dialogue uh, Anna Paquin have has some validity to it. Uh, in the same way that, like you know, um, Margot Robbie's character in, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Sort of I mean, like,
0: Scorsese's not <laughs> known for female roles. That's one thing that we don't it's, need to. It's we, I, 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 that I That's not what I'm saying. I don't want to.
1: I, I actually don't want to dismiss that argument because I think I think there is some validity to like investigating how that plays out. But what I mean is, um, for me the. Um, Piggy was a character I was tracking the whole way through, and there's two or three. There's two. It's a. It's basically to me. It's a. It's. it's a script story that is being pinpointed very acutely throughout the film. But and, I, yeah. And, and and so for me, it's that first moment of the interaction where we see them together. It's the second moment where she re- she's really uncomfortable around Joe Pesci's character. Um, I got this sort of undertone of like feeling, you know, like she was just very creeped out by him. I almost kind of, th- I, I was like wondering if there was some sort of like, unease about what he is capable of or something like that to her Um, then then but the the time that she lights up is around jimmy hoffa and she you know like they go to her school and they talk and she gives a speech about jimmy hoffa and like what he believes in and she's like she lights up about it you know she's really invested in him and then when she and then when um when hoffa dies it mirrors in a sense when JFK dies in the film. You know, when, when JFK dies, Hoffa kind of turns his back and walks away, and that's when that's when Frank kind of knows that Hoffa might have had something to do with that. You know, like Hoffa turns back and eats his ice cream. And then when uh, when Hoffa dies, you know, Frank comes into the house and like pours himself a drink, and he sits down and he kind of you know like goes back and pours himself a drink. And she's just staring at him the whole time because she and she is the one who sees right through him. She knows that he's had something to do with this. And the quish, the seven words of dialogue that she has is why? And she, you know, the, the subtext is why did you do it, but the, the 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 actual text is why haven't you called his wife? Yeah, Joe. And and that's how she knows. She's like, why haven't you called his wife? So she's absolutely. And so for me, then when the final act really works for me is when he goes to the bank and he goes to see he goes to see her, and she just closed the t- She she has she has walked away from him forever you know and that is the moment you know and it and it was it was a track that was happening from the very first beating
0: i but and you're 100% correct on it is a continuous track i don't even have a problem with a character having very few lines you mm-hmm. can have zero lines and still be a highly effective character uh the, the reason why peggy uh did not work for me it, 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 even even as i like and again i'm going to go back to i don't really feel like she is even a character she is a she is a focal point for for loss for frank yeah um So that one doesn't quite interest me, but then two, uh, that even for that being that focal point, I've never seen him value that. No, he doesn't. I know, but but so 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 that then when he loses it. I, I've never seen him even want to have it. But so, the film, so it the, doesn't, but
1: the film doesn't even let him. Re, that, that's. I mean, this is the point of the ending of the film, is that he doesn't regrain it because he's lost it already. He'd lost it a long time ago, right? But he we, didn't but realize
0: then, that. Sure, but he also didn't. I, I never saw him. I never saw him. Like, wh- why does he miss that if he never liked it? Because it? It's his uh, daughter. It's his daughter. It didn't connect for it, me. Really? It you've, really never, didn't.
1: You, you've never heard. I mean, okay, just even on a on a. Abstract level. You've never heard of people on their deathbed regretting something that they haven't talked about for like 20, 30 years? Like, even on an abstract level, you could see that happening, right? Like, on your. Sure, but
0: now, I mean, on an abstract level, 100%. But what this film shows me is like, I I, I can't go back and see an entire person's life, and I'm sure that there are nuances in an actual human being's experiences with family members that they've pushed away and wish they did not and changed the past and all that jazz. I can get that this movie never showed me that he valued that until at the end when he didn't have it anymore. And it wasn't like a this was like a loving thing that sort of like was there and then he started to ignore But I think what I need from that, and I think it goes back to being a character and not a plot point. Right. A- and she's not a character. She,
1: I, I definitely, you know, like I said, I don't want to dis- dispute that idea that like, why does she only have seven lines of dialogue? Doesn't even but have to a, do with the lines. But, it's, it's but it's I, true. I actually was, the film... Is very specific about what they're doing with her throughout the whole way through. But so I was, never I,
0: uh, see him value her or the family until the very end when she sort of sees through him, and it's more of a—it's weird. It's almost you know, like you know the—you
1: know the interesting mirror that I that mm-hmm. I saw in it as well was that. Um, in the you know the final what is the final line that he says to you which is can you leave the could you leave the door open for yeah, a yeah. little bit you know like what what did that mean anything to you did that i mean that re- was
0: just sort of i uh I, I took it sort of as like uh that sort of like I don't know, like lingering bit of hope that, like there's still a little bit of time left.
1: but it was also a repeated line from what Jimmy Hoffa did when they were in their hotel room together. Like he leaves yep. the door open a little bit, you know, and you're and and ultimately, does he
0: say a line or does he just leave the door open?
1: I can't remember if he says a line, but it's repeat that's the repeated motif for me, sure. And Frank eventually ends up killing Hoffa, you know, like he ends up killing his best friend. And I feel like Frank's now at 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 death's door and we you know, coming to the end, and he's kind of. In the same place that he left, you know, that Hoffa was in, and he's kind of wondering what's on the other side for me. And I, and I think that loss, you know, to me, the loss has to do with that sense that he, he has, you know, and this is this is uh, why I think this movie is kind of a rumination of everything that he, that Scorsese has ever done, um, both casinos, *Goodfellas*, mm-hmm. *Wolf of Wall Street*, and everything. Is that it is. A rumination of like, what is at the end, you know, like, and and now I'm in the place that I thought I would never be. I in.
0: never got that question out of mm-hmm. it. I never got a what What's at the end of this? This is just sort of like he's he's realizing he's at the he's not mm-hmm. wondering. We never got a line of like, what is this all for, or even that's
1: even, that's what the the FBI agent say to him, which is like, everyone you're protecting is dead. What do you what do you what What does it even matter? I mean, at this point, like it's and Jimmy, you know, when she says to him, do you know, do you know who Jimmy Hoffa is? And he's he's like. She's like, no, I yeah. don't know who that is. But that
0: my point is, we never. I, the the I don't think, at least I didn't get from it. Yeah, the, the... it's very subtle. But... Yeah, but I mean, I paid attention. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I I saw what it was doing. Mm-hmm. It did not emotionally affect me the way that it it, it seemed to effectively uh, affect you.
1: I I think I the way I would describe it is it's very pointed. And and this is coming to the the kind of the final thing which I wanted to talk about, which it it does relate back to the MCU question that the was the Martin on. Scorsese cinematic universe, the, the well the Mar- you know like he this question the about scene. the Marvel cinematic universe, and you know like obviously this whole thing about the Marvel cinematic universe, you know it, it's ridiculous. Like you know, I
0: don't like the conversation. I think the media has blown it way out of proportion. Yeah. I, I respect. Martin Scorsese, I respect his opinions. I cannot agree with them and still be like, "Yeah, you're one of the best fucking living filmmakers of all time."
1: But I, the, yeah, 100% agree. It's like, yeah, no, like, there's no, there's very few people who have done as much and know as much about cinema as this human being.
0: And then also, (laughs) you could take into account that actively. The, this thing that he is discussing that he just happens to not enjoy is taking away dollars for him to be able to make films. So, of course, again, mm-hmm. he, there would be another reason, another checkbox, even if he didn't enjoy the films for whatever they offered, to to be like, eh, whatever. You know, like, so, of but course, I, it but makes sense the, on a business level.
1: It, it, it you know, like, uh, the abstract, you know, like, I was sort of, like, uh, indifferent to the entire conversation uh, up until I saw the, the Irishman. And when I saw The Irishman, I, it suddenly, it clicked into place... What I think he's really talking about, and you know, again, maybe I'm articulating, some, you know, uh, uh, an un, uh, subtext to all of this that that you know I'm inferring more than anything. But what I think he, you know, a lot of what he's saying about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I don't fully agree with, but a, a lot of what he's saying has to do with the films not feeling um, personal. I think you know, like, because I watch The Irishman, and I watch it, and I go, "Wow, he really like wielded this story into something personal sure. for him." Yep, and that's, and I you know, like when he talks about uh, in you know that New York Times op ed, he talks about P.T. Anderson, Jonah Hogg, you know, uh, even he mentions Ariasta, and I think he talks about like, I you know, like. He says, "I, I think I'm going to be getting something out of them that's new and exciting." But what I think he's really getting at, and what I, you know, just again from watching this and just thinking about every single film he's made, is that they are personal to him. They do, they feel like they come from one unique voice. Sure. That is that is a personal thing. And I and I think you know with, a, with uh, you know with a, the Marvel things of cinema, I I don't, I don't actually agree with that entire conversation. Well, it's semantics. Yeah, but what I what I think he's getting at is that he doesn't feel that those films. Are pers- he doesn't see a personal voice in the Well,
0: scene. he said in the New York Times thing, he said, uh, he said, many of the elements that define cinema as I know it are, are there in Marvel pictures. What's not there is revelation, mystery, or genuine emotional danger. Nothing is at risk. The pictures are made to satisfy a specific set of demands, and they are designed as variations on a finite number of themes. Yeah. And I, I I agree with that, yeah. Yeah. but also you can, and this is why I just don't think that the conversation is even worth having. I think the media is silly for blowing it up, and I guess we're doing it now too. But yeah. like, you could say those similar things about Scorsese pictures,
1: I and and that's why I think the sort of definition of like you know, it's sort of like slightly gatekeeping cinema, it, yada yada.
0: Like there there's the thing about like uh, you know are made to satisfy a specific set of demands. That sort of stuck with me. It's like, yep, Marvel and Disney have their set of demands. Scorsese your 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 body of work also has those exact same well, not the exact same demands but you have a list of demands it just happens to be yours
1: Yeah and I I but that I guess that's my what I think I took away from watching The Irishman mm. is that what he's talking about is the personal the 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 sense that we're getting a personal narrative within the film Now I for example I think Guardians of the Galaxy does that and I think sure. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 does that, for example. You know, I, I think those films actually do satisfy like a really interesting personal narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what he's saying about those films, is that he doesn't get that sense from those films. And and if you look at every single film he's made, from his documentaries to his commercials to his music videos to this,
0: they all have the Rolling Stones
1: in it. <laughs> well, the, <laughs> apart from the Michael Jackson <laughs> bad music yeah, video. <laughs> um, but, but like they have that sense of the wielding you know like treating the form not as purely commerce but as something per, you know as as a venue to say something personal and i think i think that's what he's saying and he's not seeing that in the marvel film and that's fine sure. but but some but, of us do some people do and i and you know and i uh, I, I i would be remiss if I, if I didn't say i sort of side with him slightly more in that argument about the value of those films sure. but 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 you know i've also i also see that there is value in those films. But but that's what I think that's what I think this 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 discussion about like when he was asked, you know, like what do you think of Marvel movies? That's what I think he was really getting at. I and mean, and then and it's compounded by this, you know, like there is a commerce side to this which is that you know like the only studio that would fund The Irishman is Netflix, which would put it in a theater for what two weeks, yeah, and then it would be removed from a theater. And it's not what he would have wanted. No, it's not what he would have wanted. And but it, like nobody would, nobody wants to fund a film like this anymore, yeah. you know. And uh, you know he he he's coming off The Departed, which made like three hundred million dollars. The Wolf of Wall Street, which made a ton of money as well. He can't get this movie made, you know. So and and we're not. And I think that's what his frustration is.
0: I mean, I totally get that. Uh, I just, again, I don't think I don't think his opinions are wrong because they're his opinions and he can have them. Uh, I I think the treatment of and almost you know what I don't know who asked the question first, but it is a bit of a gotcha haranguing sort of thing. Like they whatever interviewer asked him what you think of the Marvel films was not expecting him to be like, oh my god, I love them. Right. It, it, was, it was. They was, were expecting was, him to do some, some. Uh, if not on purpose, gatekeeping old guard sounding shit and and if anyone can sort of have those opinions and, and, and I think another reason why it had so much weight is unlike a couple like unlike a lot of other prolific filmmakers I would say uh, they're like I would say like Scorsese and weirdly Quentin Tarantino are the ones that like when they say like oh my God, this is great or this is bad like as far as cinema goes, I do listen. Yeah, like I'll respect a, a myriad of other directors. That, uh, but if, uh, but I think I put a lot of value on these two men that are just insane cinephiles. Do you
1: know what uh, Quentin Tarantino's favorite Marvel movie is? Oh, I think he, I don't know. Thor Ragnarok. I mean,
0: that probably he, makes sense. He, he
1: said he loves Thor Ragnarok, yeah. and he also grew up reading all those comics.
0: Yeah, but <laughs> like, um, so so when Scorsese gives a a a. a, a a check mark or a X to anything when it comes to movies, everyone's going to fucking listen.
1: It was, I think what was interesting is that, um, is that how much the story kind of traveled and how much other people jumped in on it. Well, then it goes back to the internet being yeah. angry. And well, everything. no, but the other filmmakers jumping in on it, you know, other filmmakers having that conversation at the same time. Um, and I think I look, I think, there is the you know like you you just have to acknowledge marvel sucks the air out of a lot of conversations because they suck the air out of a lot of things not willingly but they are the biggest thing on the planet they're they're a planet unto themselves so you know like people who don't make marvel movies um can feel a little bit like well where is the space for the other things that i want to want to see or want to make um and you know but scorsese you know god bless him is out there you know he's producing films he's he's got a cinema foundation that like you know uh, protects the heritage of cinema as 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 we know it he is a master filmmaker himself who is given more than enough examples of what he understands about cinema on the planet and to me uh, this is why i i only want to do this in the context of the irishman is that is that 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 crystallization of that idea is is the notion that he can take this crime film this sort of Ever expanding, decades long story that involves numbers of characters along numbers of years, sure, uh, and wield it into the personal and wield it into the intimate. It's an that's that's the contradictory thing about this film is that it's epic, but intimate.
0: See, I wouldn't call it epic, and I actually wouldn't call it personal. I would call it intimate. I think (laughs) intimate is the best is the best because it is it's you're focusing in. On, oh, it's personal for Scorsese, right? Uh, I'm sorry, I I, want to reiterate that, and it's intimate in the in the detail in which it shows you the the slow moving machinations, and then speeds up to some fast moving stuff, and slows down, etc. And it's like it's really like if you're in this, you are in it. Um, I I just didn't connect with any of the characters on a on on a on a character personal level. I could see sort of behind the curtain i think of how like uh Scorsese, like was connecting with these things and even the actors connecting with their own characters. mortalities mortalities yeah. and personality i mean how could you not that's yeah. the whole fucking I mean, thing these, these guys are not at the beginning of their career no no, no, no. You know, like... uh and i guess this will sort of go into what i would consider my final thoughts i think i think the irishman is a beast and i and i think it it in that phrasing, I, I want to sort of give it all of the positive and the negatives that that can entail. Right, it is sweeping. Uh, it is uh, not epic, though. I don't think it's really epic. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to have this. I mean, that's that's sort of a different yeah. thing. But like, for instance, uh, the scale at which it operates is not crazy large the the uh, the uh occurrences that happen around these characters are we get the quiet moments we get the intimate moments um i think uh i love it when i get to see a director especially one that i like so much really get to play in the sandbox that they built and like just revel in the the craft and the aspects of it that you just know that they really love uh i think that uh, it is well worth your three hours and twenty nine minutes to experience it if you are a Scorsese fan. Uh, it's just I I do for for me it did not connect on on a on a personal level outside of a few character moments and uh, and and you know to be honest you know what is interesting the first maybe fourth or third of the film is what I really kind of dug and I know that's not the weighty parts uh the, i think the the first moment when i was smiling I was like hell yeah was was during the meat sequence okay uh, when he's uh, when he's, like when, he's when he's delivering the meat and then he uh, he he drops off the two uh racks at the at the gangster restaurant and then goes to the other one pays off three different people rips tags off old meat slides it onto the new delivery shelf track and then like gets signed off on 25 things and I was like that's some slick gangster shit right there, and it's small and it's nice and like i got I started to understand like the the drive for this. There are lots of those small moments in this uh I just think it's it's connected with stuff that didn't um hold it all together for me however it's the best it's one of the best fucking movies you can see on Netflix right now, mm-hmm. and I'm very glad that they funded this because I love the fact that he was able to finally make this thing so many years down the road for all of them
1: yeah. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned uh, Quentin Tarantino earlier because uh, Quentin Tarantino has like a long gestating conversation where he's talked about how he only wants to do 10 films because he, in his estimation, as a cinephile and a a student of cinema, uh, cinema history, has kind of uh, come to this conclusion that the um, filmmakers have sort of a good 20 years or 30 years of filmmaking and then they kind of fade away. And he's always talking about how the last few films of a filmmaker, I think he points to Alfred Hitchcock, maybe Samuel Fuller as well, um, as like not having... Uh, the, the last few pieces not being yeah. as strong as the middle pieces, and the interesting thing, you know, without getting too morbid about it, but I think this film kind of invites the conversation about mortality. Is we are coming to the later part of Martin Scorsese's career, sure. Um, and you know, with all respect, you know, I hope that doesn't happen for a very long time. Yeah. And 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 what I think about when I think about this film is the exact inverse of what Quentin Tarantino is saying which is that I think his best work is coming now because I think this his best work and I think what the Irishman is doing is building upon everything and it is still with the with all of the beauty and intent and and uh, and thoughtfulness that he has created throughout his entire career culminating in this film and I and I I hope that that continues on and that we see more of this but I what I loved about this was that it was a deep, Deep rumination on his career and his work, and how much he's affected cinema, and the stories that he's told through t- while telling this other story of Frank Sharon, which is deeply affecting. Um, so I found all of that really beautiful. I thought I thought a lot about Sergio Leone hmm. uh, and the later, you know, like Sergio Leone only made like eight films, but like you know, one of the last of them was Once Upon a Time in America. Didn't you get know? to
0: those last two.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, yeah, you didn't get to the, you know, uh, he did make one more film after that. But I was like. I th- I I think Scorsese is has cemented himself as a giant among filmmakers mm-hmm. and he, he was already but this film further reinforces that it is it is uh it, there's no dis- diminishment of his powers uh using New unparalleled technology. It doesn't feel like he's using new unparalleled technology. It's just just part of the things that he's using. You know, jumping over to this new, newer medium and newer distribution format. Using um, uh, actors that he's previously used before, who are like much past the prime of the players that they should be playing. You know, like in this film, none of that feels. um, None of that feels like a hindrance to him at all it all feels you know it's all effortless uh and you know i was captivated by this film i think i you know i i think it's one of the best films of the year and it's it's slow and contemplative that's everything he's talking about when he talks about like what he wants out of cinema you know like and he's not made slow and contemplative he's made action movies he's made studio films he's made everything um and you know he is a person who just who wants to uh, put you in the seat and have you think about it when you leave, and and for me, this this movie does that, and I, I think it's absolutely beautiful. Um, yeah, no, it's it's available now for streaming on Netflix. <laughs> if you have eight ninety, if you have nine bucks, or is it no, it's twelve bucks now. Something, yeah, something, like, something that. like that. If you pay twelve bucks a month, you can get this thing. You could probably get it for a thirty day trial. It's out there.
0: O- Honestly, <laughs> all you have to lose is three hours and twenty nine minutes. So um,
1: you know that's a, I, I mean it, 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 for Americans Thanksgiving this is the perfect time not to talk real, to your f-
0: not to talk <laughs> to your family. I was thinking yeah. that it's such a perfect drop point. Uh, I'm <laughs> very glad that they were able to make that window. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this has been the only podcast about the film The Irishman. Shahir, when you are not, and we didn't. <laughs> making any sort of uh possibly racist uh oh god <laughs> the pressure's on now for the last possibly <laughs> racist um accents while discussing a cinema where can folks find you you can find me <laughs> at the end of the rainbow
1: ah, fuck you <laughs> uh, at my website www.heredown.com <laughs> <laughs> it's h a h i r d a <laughs> u d uh, Matt, are you Irish? You no, you're Polish, right? I have some Irish, yes. Oh, you have some Irish yeah, in you? Yeah. Which part? Uh, my mother's side. I oh, think you can say the arm. Yeah.
0: Where, where can people find you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can find. 23 and me at M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four P-R-E-Z on Instagram or Emperor MSK on Twitter. Also, please go check out the good works we are doing over at Extra Credits. I believe, oh man, by the time this comes out, we'll have released an episode on imposter syndrome. Which is something oh, that yeah. um, I think affects, well, I know affects of roughly seventy percent of people, and has affected me. Uh, I don't know, Sheer, if you've ever experienced. Are that. you saying
1: we're all invas- invaded by the body snatchers? We're all uh, imposters? No, it, it, that's what you're saying, right? No, like your head's gonna explode and there's gonna
0: be anyway. That comes check it, check right? that out. Uh, it's an important thing. I think it, it can help a lot of people. It, it helped me even sort of reading and, and and learning about it for the for the episode uh, that'll be released by the time this comes out. Also, we're doing a series on uh, uh, it's called Policing London. It's about the formation of the London Police. And like how he used to run on thief takers and Jonathan Wilde and Jack Shepard and a bunch of like old school thieves and 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 criminals that were cops and then cops that were crim- Very, very. I would. You know what? A Jack Shepard story by Martin Scorsese would be dope as hell.
1: Well, he's doing uh. Yeah. Well, Killers of the Flower Moon is the American crime story, and Devil in the White City. I know that's, so that's yeah, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, uh-huh. um, but uh, next week, are we gonna are we gonna get our knives out?
0: Uh, I would hope so I, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped I, I wanna, for, for knives out I want to get my knives out uh, yeah. I think that'd be a really good call Well uh, let's, let's let's potentially we're going to throw some knives down. Yeah I, and I'll bring my knives yeah, yeah, I'll bring them just in case even You if brought we, a gun to a knife fight Even if, if we, we go do? Listen yeah. uh, it, 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 you charge a gun yeah. <laughs> with a knife you run Yeah Hoo-ah 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 Oh god we'll, 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 we'll talk to you next week Get a big ol' ass Oh Jesus Christ <laughs>